The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home, and the crowds saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. It will come as no surprise to you if I say that sin is treated as a light thing in our world. Our world does not care, care about sin one bit. And you can see that in all of the depravity all around you in the world. Everything you see on TV, everything you hear from your community, everything that you see around you shows that sin is thought of lightly. But there is another way that sin is thought of lightly that isn't so much the sort of gross, depraved, degenerate lives that are often lived in the world, and it cuts a bit closer to home. There is a way in which we, Christians, think of sin too lightly. You can see this in the way that we often behave. How much easier it is for us to talk about sin as something like a mistake, a shortcoming, a stumble, something that is maybe embarrassing, maybe I'm a little bit ashamed of it, or really something that is only a problem when I've been caught. As long as it's none of those things, as long as it's not outwardly visible for anyone to see, it's not really such a big deal, and even then, we can kind of sweep it under the rug. Nobody wants to deal with it. Nobody wants that awkward conversation of having to confess and receive forgiveness from someone that you've sinned against. It's much easier to say things like, that's no big deal, or don't worry about it. It's water under the bridge. Or we often think of sin lightly and take advantage of the opportunity when others sin against us. We take advantage of the opportunity to be irritated or to relish the inconvenience and lash out in anger or spite. We relish the opportunity to have the moral high ground. So we don't think of sin as something that is dangerous for the person who has sinned against us, but we think of it as a gift to us. Look, they sinned against me. Now, let's see what I can get away with. I can justify whatever we like when others sin against us, which is really, in the end, treating sin far too lightly. For when others sin against you, they're not just hurting you, they're not just doing damage to you, but they are jeopardizing their soul. For they don't sin just against you, but they sin also against God. That's the reason why sin is not something to be taken lightly. And that is the reason also why forgiveness should never be taken lightly. Now you hear about forgiveness week after week here in church. We do the same thing. You confess and you are absolved. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. 
Those are the most precious words that a person can hear. And yet, it is so easy for us to treat them lightly because, simply because, we think of sin. So lightly, kind of like the people in our gospel lesson this morning. Did you notice what happened? Jesus came into this room, and here's this fellow who's brought to him by his friends, and that man is paralyzed. He cannot walk. He couldn't even bring himself to Jesus. He couldn't do anything to help himself. Everything has gone wrong in his life. He is lost. The first thing that Jesus says to him is not, Son, take up your bed and walk. He doesn't console him about his misery, about his condition. He doesn't say, don't worry, I'm going to help you. I'm going to make you better. Instead, what does he say? He simply says, take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. The most precious words that man could hear, more precious than rise, take up your bed and walk, more precious than any other kind of good news or comfort. Son, your sins are forgiven. You can see how the folks in our gospel lesson are just like us, in that they don't really marvel at all when Jesus forgives this young man's sins. They wait to marvel until later in the story. It isn't until there's this miracle that they can see before their eyes where his body is restored, and then they're amazed. What an amazing thing that God has given such authority to heal to men. But that's not the most amazing authority that he's given. That's not the most amazing thing that the Son of Man came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost, to forgive sinners. Because sin is the most grievous thing that we suffer in this world. It is our most serious problem. That is why forgiveness is our most precious gift. It comes with all kinds of blessings. You hear this in the Catechism. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. It comes with the blessings that you heard promised to Jacob, not to enter into a promised land that is the land of Canaan, but that you would enter into a promised land prepared for you by your heavenly Father who will be with you and keep you wherever you go. For he will not leave you until he has done what he promised to do for you. The problem with sin is not merely that we heap up guilt or that we might feel bad or that we do harm to others. That's bad enough in itself. But the problem with sin is this, is that it separates us from God who wants to bless us, to give us all that is his, all of the blessings of his kingdom. He wants to give them to us. And when we have sin in our lives, when we have sin in our hearts, it separates us from God and from his blessings. This is why the forgiveness of sins, why baptism is pictured as a marriage between Christ and you, his beloved bride. In baptism, in the forgiveness of sins, all of the good things that belong to Jesus by divine right, because he is the Son of God, they all become yours because you are married to him. And everything that you bring to the equation, all of the sin and all of the suffering and all of the loss and all of the grief, everything that has separated you from God, that belongs to Jesus. So much so that on the cross you hear those terrible words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the cross, in the forgiveness of sins, you are wed to Jesus. You belong to him and he belongs to you and your relationship with God is restored. It is the most precious gift that we have. Think how tragic it, is, tragic it is when we treat sin and forgiveness lightly. When, like the people in the gospel lesson, we don't marvel every time we hear those words, your sins are forgiven. And when instead we marvel and we long for things like healing 
or things like material blessings instead of or in place of the forgiveness of sins. It's like if Jacob was lying there and he had this dream and God came to him and blessed him and said, I'm going to go with you wherever you go and I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my child and Jacob were to say, that's okay. What am I going to eat today? That's okay, I kind of got a sore neck. Can you fix that for me? It'd be absurd for him to hear those promises from God and to do anything less than what he did in our lesson. Did you hear what he said? Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. How true that is even of this place where you hear these precious words, your sins are forgiven. Imagine, imagine how tragic, how strange it would be for a couple to come to be married and for them to make promises that are half-hearted. Do you have and hold till death you depart? I guess so. Will you in sickness and in health? Maybe, I guess so. Or to barely believe the promises, to hear your beloved say, I will have you, you will be mine forever, till death parts us, and then to think, yeah, I guess maybe you will. I'll kind of trust you. That's what it's like when we treat sin and forgiveness lightly, when we hear the promises of God and we act as if they're no big deal, when we deal with the sin in our lives as though it is something we can treat half-heartedly. It is to be brought to the altar for a wedding and to not really have our hearts in it. It is to enter into a marriage thinking about other options, other possibilities. How tragic that would be. Just as tragic as it would be to come to Holy Communion, to receive Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, not thinking that it is the most precious thing you can receive, not thinking that it is more precious than all earthly treasures, more precious than anything else you have ever seen in your life. Imagine how tragic that would be. And so, today, the lesson for us is simply this, that we should learn to think of sin rightly and learn to treat forgiveness as the most precious gift that we have. Now, there is a way in which the world gets all of this wrong by just sort of turning things upside down, but I think that we can deal with this. We can do better at this much closer to home. In fact, beginning in our homes. One of the things that is so difficult to do is where sin cuts closest to us, among those people who live in close quarters with us, it is often hardest to deal with sin rightly, to treat it as seriously as it should be treated, and to deal in forgiveness as wondrously as it ought to be dealt with. So start at home. Think about the things that go wrong in your home, all of the problems that you might imagine, all of the problems that are before you, all of the burdens that you struggle with day in and day out, whatever they are, whatever they, they're your finances, they're clashing personalities, they're your health, they're your job, they're a lack of time, whatever it might be, none of those things compares to the problem of sin in your home. I can say without a shadow of doubt that in every one of our homes, sin is the biggest problem we have. It's none of these other things. It's not even if any of you, if all of you were here today paralyzed, I would still say the biggest problem in your lives is sin. The biggest problem in your homes is sin. Until we reckon with that, we will never treat sin rightly and we will never value forgiveness as it should be valued. So think. Think in your lives and in your homes how you regard God's law. 
Do you love and trust in him above all things? Do you hear his word gladly? Do you keep his name sacred? How do children think about their parents? Do they honor them or are they disobedient? How do parents regard their children? Do they love them, sacrificing for them, and doing all they can to deliver God's word to them because that is their charge, that is their responsibility? Are we malicious? Do we hurt each other out of spite? Are we faithful to our wedding vows? Do we let our eyes wander? Do we take what does not belong to us, justifying it in any way possible? Do we tell lies? Or do we tell the truth in a way that is meant to hurt? Do we desire things that do not belong to us? Go through the list every day. Every day, go through the list of the Ten Commandments. Take all of the problems that you think you have, set them aside for a moment, and look at the Ten Commandments, and then you will see. Then you will see where your problems really lie. And then, then you can begin to go to work. So where in your life, in your home, you see your own sin, do this. It's so simple. Confess. Say to those against whom you have sinned, I am sorry for what I have done. Do not make excuses, no buts. I am sorry. And then receive forgiveness. First from your Heavenly Father, who hears your confession and gives you these words. Do not forget these words you hear every Sunday. Your sins are forgiven because of the blood of Christ. Everything that you deal with in your life, all of the sin that you deal with in your life, on account of which you want to just raise up defenses and put up walls and keep everybody away from dealing with it, that has all been dealt with in Christ. It cannot hurt you. Receive God's forgiveness. Confess and receive God's forgiveness. And be ready. Be ready to receive forgiveness from those against whom you have sinned. They may not want to. They may not forgive you, but it doesn't matter does not matter because you are repentant and Christ has forgiven you. And then, in the grace of Christ's forgiveness, by the power of his spirit, whom he pours out on you abundantly in greater measure than you could ever ask for or hope for, then try to do better. Where you see sin in your life, try to do better. Not by your own steam, not by your own energy, but living in the grace of Christ, who has covered all your sins and who has given you a new heart and, in fact, his own heart. When you look at your life, when you look in your home and you see your own sin, confess and receive forgiveness. Do not wait. Do not wait until the mess is piled so high that you can't even begin to dig your way through it. Do it now. Do it at every opportunity. And then you will see, you will find that considering your own sin seriously means that you also treasure the forgiveness that you receive for those sins. But you also have to think about how you treat the sins of others. It is so tempting and so easy to treat them again as an opportunity to lift myself up, to have the moral high ground, to be better than others. So when others sin against you, do not act that way. Do not justify yourself. Do not be vengeful. Do not be spiteful. Instead, take the sin seriously. That is, when others sin against you, consider what it is doing to their soul how it is jeopardizing their soul to have that sin in their life. Treat it seriously. Don't brush it away. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't act like it was no big deal. Instead, be ready to forgive it. Have your forgiveness locked and loaded, ready to go. Because that is the only thing that can save a person's soul. You can hear God's law moment after moment. You can recite the Ten Commandments day in and day out. But if your sins are never forgiven, all that will do is heap up condemnation against you. 
So have your forgiveness ready to go. Have it on the tip of your tongue and mean it. I forgive you. I forgive you because God forgives you. I forgive you and I want to see you do well. I forgive you and I want for you what God wants for you. You can see how this is just an utterly foreign way of thinking about sin and forgiveness. It's totally uncomfortable. And I'll tell you right now, if you begin to do this, even in a small measure in your homes, you will feel very uncomfortable for quite a while to confess and speak forgiveness at every opportunity. It's very strange. But we live in a strange world, a world that is crooked and dark. And so we shouldn't be surprised that when we do the things that belong to the kingdom of God, they feel strange. The reason to do this, however, is very simple. Because we should take sin seriously, because Christ has taken it seriously. We should take forgiveness seriously because of what it cost Jesus. If you want to have just a simple reason why forgiveness matters, why it's the most important thing, and why those words, your sins are forgiven, why they are the most precious words you could ever hear, look at the cross of Jesus. Ask how much it cost God to give you that forgiveness. The life of his only son. What was he willing to spend to dispense this gift to you? Everything that he had. Think about that. Meditate on that. And then, those words of forgiveness, when you speak them to others, when you hear them from others, when you hear them in this, the house of God, let them sink in. Think about Christ. Think about his love for you. And praise God that he has given such authority to his church that he has given such authority to you to forgive one another in Christ's name. There's a hymn that we sing in Lent during Holy Week usually. You know it well. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted. Just think about this verse. This beautiful verse. Verse 3. Ye who think of sin but lightly nor suppose the evil great here may view its nature rightly Here its guilt may estimate. He's talking about the cross. Mark the sacrifice appointed. See who bears the awful load. Tis the word, the Lord's anointed, son of man and son of God. Praise God that he has given such a gift to you. Put it to good use. Cherish it. And give glory to God. To him alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.